Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Southern California, Joey No Chill Prano. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. And I just want to bring in our third, number three. The big three is back. The one and only Tug Coker. Hello, Andy. <laughs> Tug, how you Hello, doing? Joe. Hello. Hello, Tug. We, we talked before the show. If anybody's watching this on YouTube or gets the video, Joe said Tug looked like he's being held hostage in like an Afghani prison. I'm from an so, undisclosed location. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's in a bunker. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like how they set up the room so that you can't tell where they're keeping him. And, and Tug through like little taps on his face is trying to give us Morse code. I'm in the hills of Tora Bora. No, this is take season, and I'm just trying to hide from so many hot takes uh, about the finals, about live golf. I can't do it anymore, so I've hidden myself away from Stephen A. Smith, the Mad Dog, <laughs> Bill Mickelson, and anyone well, else who has a hot take about anything. That's why. That's why we put out the tug signal because we were like, we need. I was. I was like, we've talked live golf right. here. Uh, it's it's U.S. Open Thursday. The Boston Celtics are, are have their backs against the wall tonight. Those are three topics. Those are three tug topics. And I was like, you know what? Stephen A. Smith wants him. Max Kellerman wants him. Uh, you know, Skip and Shannon want him. But we're going to get him. We're going to get yep. Tug Coker. It's exactly right. I just want to say one thing. My dad uh, is flying to Boston tomorrow to see his sister. I, I knew about this about a week Ago. He just he booked his ticket like last week. And I said, Dad, an unbelievable sports day has presented itself. You could go to the U.S. Open during the day and game six at night. That's an incredible day. I actually looked at it myself, but tickets are, you know, ridiculous. But if you're if you're lucky enough to plan this out in advance, could be an all time day. Yeah. If you're in, a, you know, in the Boston world. Hopefully, you know, Boston Celtics find a way. We'll talk about that in a minute. But incredible day to go from U.S. Open into Boston Celtics game at night. Is your your father going to either of those things? Say again? Is your father going to either of those things? Uh, He might go to the U.S. Open on the uh, the weekend, but he's not going until tomorrow. So uh, I try to get him to move his flight. But he did it once, I think, for the 08 finals. Or 2010, one of the two, he did fly in for one of those games, but um, but not not this year. He did, maybe he doesn't believe. Maybe that's the real reason he's just not going to waste money on a team that he thinks is going to peter out in Game Six. I feel like we've talked about this before. We've talked about the you know tug sports allegiance, but I always the last few weeks I kept assuming that your Boston Celtics love was directly linked to your Larry Bird playing Larry Bird on Broadway. But there's a this is a family thing. Like your dad's a Celtics fan. My dad was born in Boston. Um, my grandmother uh, 
passed away a few years ago, but she lived in Lexington, Mass. My, my aunt still lives in Arlington. I went to grad school in Massachusetts, in Boston and hung out, you know, with my family. I had a great aunt that lived there. So yeah, my dad's growing up, his favorite team was Boston Celtics. His favorite player was John Havlicek. For, for any new listeners out there, just a quick nugget. Joe's alluding to the fact that I did play Larry Bird in a Broadway play. And 10 years ago this year, my mother in the play, Dee Dee O'Connell, great like character actor, uh, just won the Tony this week for best performance in a lead in a play. So the pedigree was amazing in this play. It just had nothing to do with me. I might've sunk that play <laughs> single-handedly. What, is, um, what, is, what, what are they called the Tonys? What, does that stand for something? There's a longer name that Tony's involved. Like it's an, it's, it's named after someone that I think is an Italian name and they, they shorten it to Tony. Is it Anthony something? I forget what the name of it is. Um, forgive me. I'm, some, some other aficionado will t- tell us. Um, but I will say, what I, the reason I bring this up is because when I visited Larry Bird after the show closed, I went back to Indiana and I hung out with him. You guys know this story. And there's a picture of John Havlicek on the wall. And I, I got up and I said, um, this picture is amazing. You know, my dad's favorite player is Hondo, is John Havlicek. And Larry Bird says, you want that picture? Take it. I got, another one. I got another one at home. Took it off the wall. Larry Bird signed it. I gave it to my dad for Father's Day. Incredible. Like, incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that's a great story. So you just took it off the wall. Are you at his house? Right you, off the wall. Are you at an right office? Right off the wall in his office. I asked him to sign it. He signed it. I gave it to my dad for Father's Day. Well, we uh, this is great. We'll get your take on this. We 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 we've got to get your takes on a lot of things uh, this episode. But one of them, you know, just so that you know, we're not white supremacists, obviously. But we did get a phone call a couple episodes ago saying you got to put together your all white NBA all time team. And at our first uh, run through, we had Jerry West at shooting guard. We've since replaced him with Luca, who we uh, we had a blind spot for. We're like. Maybe go look at, but some multiple people saying Havel check over West. There was a lot of Havel check over Wests, And I was like, I, mean, I don't I- think that the statistics uh, can argue that, but a lot of Boston fans are turned for that. I mean, argument. check I mean, is one of those great all time. I mean, really, I mean, his, he, he has such longevity in the league. And one of, one of the, you know, it was the was all for a long time, the greatest scorer for the Celtics. I believe Paul Pierce has replaced that him. At the top, but um, man, it's it's a tough one to go either one. I mean, you know, it, it bleeds into the, the the famous like championships situation again. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, hard, hard, I mean, Luca so early is, is maybe a little too early to call it because you know Jerry West is amazing. Had incredible finals. The first year they ta- you know they, they 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 tabulated the MVP. He won it in a losing you know effort. We had, had like average like 37 game or something. I, I ended up I ended up deferring to Luca because our entire starting lineup has an MV, has at least one league MVP. Is Dirk That'd on be, it? Dirk, Nash, Larry Bird, Jokic. All Jokic MV- already getting in there. Wow. I mean, I was it was to me it was either that or Bill Walton at the five. I didn't know. Uh, so we went Jokic and everybody's got an, a, at least one MVP except our shooting guard spot. No league MVP for West or Havlicek. We went Luca on the grounds that he will eventually get an MVP. 
this is where the eras play such a big part because you would you think Mikein would like make a you know Mikein you know a move um, at least just for for the drills alone for all, <laughs> for the ball handling drills alone. Now I have People to talk ask about like how there's no what's that? I was gonna say like like do, when you give this to your dad because that's an amazing gift. Is he such a diehard fan? Did he get emotional? Like, like I'm trying to think. I would get emotional. Something and gave me something like that, and I was that big of a fan. I, I don't recall him being moved to tears, and I'm gonna <laughs> call him afterwards and ask him why. Maybe there's just something like, <laughs> a deeper issue. This is um, this is like this is like the entire women everywhere on on Instagram are like, see, this is why men need more therapy. Andy's in therapy every week, and he's like, if my kid hands you that, I just immediately break down in tears. I hug him, you know. Yeah, it was. I, I mean, I remember him being really excited about it because I'm not. I usually like it more in the practical gift realm, and so this is more of like a, hey, this is a really cool. I thought, you know, what an amazing story. Thought, but yeah, I, you know, I think my dad was. Um, as, as I may have alluded to many years ago in one of our shows, my dad is a letter writer. I think I told um, Michael Costa, friend of the show, I jumped on one of his podcasts years ago, and I told him that my dad writes me like. I think I said 10 letters a month, but he writes me probably it's, it's gone down because I go to my kids now, but he still probably writes me two, two postcards or letters a month. So he might've, might've expressed his emotion through word. He's more of a wordsmith. <laughs> um, well, well, we have that in common too. Cause I'm a letter writer as well. Yeah. Well, maybe we, my dad is related to you. So maybe which, which a quick, a quick, a quick uh, rug nug from that. I wrote my brother, my brother, bought my parents house. So I, I, you know, have been kind of holding down the fort the last 20 plus months. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of emotion with me being here and it's the only house I knew, but my brother was pretty fun. I wrote all my brothers a letter basically thanking them, letting me kind of hold down the fort and, you know, kind of say my, my goodbye as he buys it and will completely renovate the whole inside. So I wrote my brothers a letter and my brother just said to me the other day, he's like, you know, that's such a sweet letter you wrote to each brother. And we really appreciate that. He's like, but can you finish painting the outside like you said you were going to do two years ago? Next, next time you want to write a letter, put that energy and that thought into painting. And I was like, yeah, he's got a good point there. <laughs> Can't get out of it. Yeah, I mean, to, to put a button on my dad's story, my dad was born in Boston. My family then moved, but they lived in Ohio for a few years, uh, actually, when he was growing up. And then they moved back to Boston um, after he lived in Ohio. So, yeah, that's where, you know, that's where I became a Celtics fan i you know i part of the the fun of um doing the magic bird play was i had uh, my dad sent up all my posters that i had from growing up as a celtics fan and it was it was funny like cornbread maxwell is a poster you know like <laughs> good players for the celtics but it isn't like cornbread is pr pretty much known to only celtics fans um you know dj ainge all these guys it's like um, how every every Knicks fan I knew, literally every one of my Knicks fans friends, we all had a the John Starks, the dunk poster on our walls growing up. Yeah. It's like only like no one else in the world had that poster. But <laughs> but yet every single Knicks fan did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it is fun to go back and visit, uh, you know, some of these things that we think about. This is the first time the Celtics have made a move really since 2012. I think that's kind of when the the the, the Paul Pierce Garnett. Uh, I hesitate to say Ray Allen because um, of the animosity between them all. But uh, that, you know, that that team sort of made one last move. And then it's been 
what, what was it? Eight, you know, basically eight to 10 years in the making. I mean, the thing I love about the Celtics team is I hope most fans appreciate it, is it's a lot of it's homegrown for the most part. You know, this is like a, in some ways the Warriors do it similarly. They made some savvy moves in the off season to pick up some guys, but I think it's fun to root for teams where you've seen everyone grow up from the beginning, whether it's Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, Pritchard's trying to like show that he's not, that the lights aren't too bright for him, you know, which is, I, you know, I feel like we've seen a little bit, but the, the Williams, you know, the Williams is um, really, really Horford and Derek White are the two guys they made moves on. And, Hor- and Horford was a Celtic for a few years in the past. So that's always fun to watch teams, you know, kind of move up the ranks together. And the Warriors are the same thing. We saw the same thing with the Warriors. Yeah, and and the, obviously with the Warriors having their Durant run that we have talked about at length, but like like you said, the Horford, it's like when you you can't build a team of fifteen guys that are all homegrown. Like at least if you're gonna have free agents that you sign, it's like those role players, and you feel like you have your core. And then you're adding uh, additional pieces as opposed to, you know, hey, we've got a team. Now let's go out and sign the one big guy who's going to do all the heavy lifting. It's nice that, you know, the 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 real kind of driving forces, I don't almost no stars with the exception of Jason Tatum, quote unquote stars, but all of your stars, essentially homegrown Boston guys. Now, how how just like tell me how you're feeling right now. What's your confidence level in a game six? What's your confidence level in the series? We've talked about it. Uh, you know, you messaged me, I think, before game five uh, with the, you know, the odds on the series win. And you're like, I still kind of like the the Celtics plus one ten. Uh, even though they've got two road games. And I said, I'm with you. I've I've been on Boston in seven since the beginning. I haven't picked a game wrong yet in this. I think it's Boston tonight. How are you feeling? I mean, I, I'm, I'm buoyed by your confidence because I'm I'm not as confident in the situation. But what, what I do like is, um, you know, as an odds watcher, just like yourself, like I have been watching the odds for the Celtics throughout the playoffs and even when they were in uh, blowing games in the last two series the bookmakers showed me they still had confidence in this team they weren't willing to give away you know situations where they had to go on the road to milwaukee in game seven and win it still felt like but the bookmakers told me with the line they were saying hey we still think this team can do this and probably should do this you know when i, when I text you after game four that they were they were still only plus one ten in the series. That made me feel good because even though they got to win one game and their home game, you know, somehow they got to win two games. I mean, assuming assuming they're going to have to win Game Six, um, I think I think we talked about this a little bit, but Game Seven makes me feel like the pressure shifts. Finally, the pressure shifts back to Golden State, where Golden State feels like they've been in a situation in the Game Seven before with. Uh, Kyrie and LeBron where they felt like they got a little bit tight in that game um, and I'm hoping that would, that would be a situation where the Celtics felt like they had nothing to lose the pressure still feels like it's on the Celtics right right now tonight to get sure it to, to game seven so I, I am nervous in the sense that right now I haven't seen a lot of like free-flowing ball movement here like the DNA of this team is to kind of it's stuck in the DNA like kernels of their fir- first half of the year which is they don't move the ball they get, kind of get stuck in the hero ball. They get they start the they start the offense too late in the shot clock. 
There's not you. You're really what the Celtics are missing for a team that's made it all the way to you know a game six in the NBA Finals is just like a true playmaker, like a guy who's a playmaker first and foremost. I, and Tatum, Tatum has improved that skill set so much this year. It's like even when he's been bad shooting, and he's been pretty bad. I think if you listen to Bill Simmons' pod this week, they they, they said that he's shooting like 29-30% from two, and his twos are layups. Or like elbow jumpers, you know what I mean? He's shooting 29, 30%. He, he has trouble finishing at the rim. Like like anyone I, I'm trying to see get to the next level, like his his inability to finish around contact is just – that's just a skill he's got to develop in the, in the offseason because um, basically I just, I just felt like for the first time – Jeff Van Gundy said a good thing. We are hungover from the, the, the meltdown of game four. Um, we kind of came back in the third, but that pool, the pool shot at the end of the third quarter was, it shouldn't deflate you. You're like, you've, you've come back down from, tw- it shouldn't deflate you. You started the, the third quarter. We've been beaten, blown out of every third quarter coming into game five. And we actually, the Celtics, the Celtics actually won the third quarter. They're still having to be down by one point, but like they're, they're right back in it. But somehow that shot had a little bit more more it just brought the energy back into the the fan base a little bit it shows like we're we're struggling to guard you know pool clays like revitalized himself in some way in the back half of the series that's been even even fake even fake clays making moves did you guys see that fake clays making some moves he's getting busted now though um but can we talk about that for a quick minute and he doesn't want to talk about sports. And he's like, this is a sports podcast. No, no, no. That, but that, but, but that, is, that is sports. Yeah, have you guys seen the video? I don't know what you're talking about, I but I just, I just got- want to, I just want to know what Tug's father's emotional reaction to fake clay is. Let's get, let's like, let's go. <laughs> no, I just letter guys. It'll come in snail mail in two and a half weeks. They'll tell me. I, I just think again, in the age of like technology and you think, Oh, I can't get past anything. Somebody literally dresses up, gets their whole haircut, the facial hair, like clay Thompson. Next thing you know, he's shooting on the court for 10 minutes before the game. Did anybody think why is clay Thompson? If you watch the video, it's like a YouTube star. I don't even know his name. Why is clay Thompson walking into chase arena already in his uniform? Well, like no one's, no one said, Hey dude, why is he already in his uniform three hours, four hours, whatever it was. It's amazing. But historically, historically never, nobody has a worse track record at their job than NBA security. Like how many stories over the years have we had about like, if you're not six, seven and you're white, you could be, you know, you could be league MVP, Steve Nash. You're going to get like harassed by security guard. Like, sir, this is for NBA players only. He's like, um, I'm the two-time MVP. They're like, sure, dude, sure. But if you're like, but if you look anything like an NBA player, you can stroll in from the from a ticketed gate in warmups, and they're like, oh, sir, the court's ready for you. Like, there's no one yeah. like historically worse at their job than NBA security. It's 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 pretty wild. But I'll bring it back to sports for you, Tug. I want to talk about the turnovers. I know what you're saying about ball movement. I, I just the, the turnovers to me, if they cleaned up the turnovers, I would argue like this series is completely the other like like they're running away with this series because the turnovers, especially when this when the uh, the Warriors go on these runs, the Celtics, I, I would call them like their turnovers. I see when I coach the fourth grade yeah, boys, sloppy turnovers. Do you know what I'm sure. saying? Like, like, like their, their turnovers where I'm like this, this isn't great 
warrior defense. This is just a reckless pass or poor dribbling, whatever it is. No, you're absolutely right. The turnovers are horrendous. I mean, Tatum did do, do something historic in this playoffs. He became the all-time leader in turnovers in a playoff year, uh, surpassing LeBron this year. So he's the all-time leader in turnovers for one playoff run. So Tatum's got that in history books, which is unfortunate. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is one of the problems of, of converting Marcus Smart into the point guard. It's not really a true point guard. You're going to see person have those problems. And like anytime you play the other best team seven games in a row, and this has been happening throughout the playoffs, like, you know, but they've been able to, to, to jump the hurdle of turnovers until, until now. I thought it wouldn't kill them, honestly, because Golden State is like a mirror image to the Boston. They're also careless with the ball at times. Yeah, Steph, they've always Steph been. has been known. I'll never forget when Steph was playing game seven against Cleveland and he would do it. He, he like did a behind the back pass, like straight out of bounds, like, yep. like for yep. three minutes left. Yeah. I was like, this is unbelievable. Um, but Tatum. Not something you see from, from the rest of the top 10 players of all time. Reckless <laughs> late, crunch time around the back turnovers, but Steph is, you know, I will, I'll say that debate for another day, but you're right. The turnover has been awful. I do think if you can clean that up, there's a, there's been a lot of like sudden shift of the Celtics being like, Oh, they're the best team to no, they're the worst team, but it is game six. You know what I mean? I think the, the energy is like, it's not, it's not, this isn't like a team where, Oh, they're clearly overmatched. That's what I always say when you, it's like, it doesn't matter how it goes. If it was three Oh, and then it's three, two, or if it's, you know, whatever, like people always go, I'm like three, two is as close as the series can be. And if you're in game six, somebody's up three, two, that's how yeah. it goes. And, 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 and they're on serve, right. For all intents and purposes, right. It's exactly. their house. You know what yep. I mean? So. I, um, and I think, and you know, I've, I had Boston in seven from the beginning. I'm still, my, my opinion is still, um, I think Boston wins tonight. And then at game seven, who, who goddamn knows? Like I have, you know, I don't care about who's at home. I don't care about the Warriors playoff experience. Like all that stuff is a factor uh, for the, for a series overall. But to me in a game seven, it's just like who nuts up like that's it. And, and in any given year, you know, we've seen it before where a team you, you didn't expect comes out and plays a great game seven. Let me ask you one thing, Tug, because I was arguing with, uh, I was sort of playing devil's advocate with Andy Laz on the dirty slides the other day, but you and I were talking about um, Tatum's sort of real issue in this series has been, you know, that Andrew Wiggins is the Tatum stopper and he's getting his points, but he's doing it with an immense amount of turn, a historic record breaking amount of turnovers an extremely low shooting percentage, you know, uh, I, I dare I say this, is, he's doing Kobe Bryant cosplay on Instagram every day. And then suddenly he's showing up and going eight for 25, but he still gets his 28 points. He, you know, the, the ghost of Kobe lives within Jason Tatum in this finals. But, uh, we were talking about why don't they figure out a way to not, uh, have him, you know, matched up with Wiggins seemingly every time he comes down and that maybe is something that they'll figure out. But um, Steph's obviously having a great series. But when you consider that the second best player in this series on paper, uh, and maybe the first, you know, depending on how you want to argue it, is Jason Tatum. And he's being sort of neutralized by Andrew Wiggins. And Andrew Wiggins is doing his fair share of scoring. I, I don't want to ask you how 
you know, to talk about a Warriors win of the series as a Celtics fan, but like, there's got to be an argument here if they win this series that Andrew Wiggins is this finals MVP. Am I right or am I wrong? You know, I, I really, I've really been impressed by Wiggins in this series. And you're right. We talked about it offline about how he's just been awesome defensively and rebounding, just having, just, just owning the boards. I mean, that's another thing where this, this, the, the Warriors are running small and we're not able to take advantage of that. So I think there is a, a I think there is, there is a way that Wiggins could be MVP if he, if he has an amazing performance tonight, but I feel like the, the Steph game alone is enough to carry the weight. Plus the sort of the, the narrative that people know he's never won one. Yeah. I think that's what'll end up doing it if he gets it. But I, I was saying to Laz the other day, like what percentage of Steph's scoring for the series does Wiggins have to do where you also add on the defense, the rebounding, everything else? And he's like, if, if he does 75% of Steph's scoring and all that, like, I mean, yeah. I think he's, I he's think, averaging like eight. He's, I, I looked it up. I, he's averaging like, he's like 18 and a half and 10 and a half yeah. points rebounds. Like, like he, and, and then you throw in defense. I mean, and the Tatum stopper. To, to, well, you, know what, you, you know what it is? It's, it's Powell. It's Powell versus Kobe, 2010. Celtics Lakers finals, right? Like you've always argued you'd give it to Powell. I mean, yeah, I've been. Well, Powell is, you know, Powell, you know, like, look, Wiggins is Steph still does so much for their sure. offense. He allows so many open jumpers. And Wiggins was hitting threes, but they're hitting threes because Steph has drawn a double team where, you know, they kick it out to the right person and he hits a three. You know, Otto Porter was also hitting a bunch of threes early in the season, you know, in the in it too. I mean, I, to play devil's advocate, yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed with Wiggins, but it's probably similar to the sense where, you know, it's it, we talked about Magic. I'm sorry, Michael and Scotty. Like, you're asking Scotty to do a lot of the dirty work defensively, and he does that. But I think you know, Michael's still the MVP of that team. I think Steph. I mean, when, when Durant is so dominant with the, with the Warriors a few years ago, it's hard not to say that he's the best player in, on the team, but now Steph is doing that, you know, and Steph has been off. He said one, the last game was bad, you know, by his standards and hit a three still scored like whatever, 17 or maybe more. I don't know what it was. It, it, it was 16, but he was 16. what? Seven for 21 from the field. Yeah, seven that, that happens. But, you know, yeah. he was 50% from three before that game. Like and he sure. was, he's lethal from the three right now. And, so it's hard for me to say, you know, if there's a MVP pie. Yeah, it's it's I'd probably it's, put like you know eighty percent Steph. Sure, I I would I would say the same. I want to bring up home court though, because we talk about a game seven and if it happens, if the Celtics win tonight, I just think home court really matters in game seven, and I can't think of a place that has a weaker home court. Like if you compare home court, obviously you can't compare Boston to San Francisco, but right. just watching the game, I, I love hearing the sound and you hear the sound from the garden versus the chase center. I mean, it's, it's not even, my, my point is if you flip that, the advantage that Boston would have is huge. And then if you go the other way, where game seven would be in San Francisco, I, I just think that plays into Boston's favor so much because they just, they, in my opinion, that cr that crowd is weak, right? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't go. Bill Simmons has been to all three games of the finals and in Golden State, and he sort of vetted that that that's that fan base from a. He says it's not 
Oracle, but like it wasn't bad. Okay. It, it probably it's, not or, it's not Oracle, but it's not it's not Miami. You know, <laughs> showed up yet? Yeah, it's um, not like Jimmy Buffett's the loudest fan in the stadium. Right. But you know, the, the, what I will say to that, Andy, is I agree with you. But um, the Celtics won Game Seven on the road against Milwaukee. They're basically 500 since the Brooklyn series at home in the playoffs this year. Like they lost two games at home against Milwaukee. They lost two games at home against the Heat. They lost one game already to the Warriors. Like, I just don't – the teams that are that tested, um, like the Warriors, I don't feel like they uh, fear being on the road. Where I do actually feel like it's weirder that they have some sort of scar tissue from game seven um, playing Cleveland a few years ago. And just like the – I think Steph would probably have a good game. But, like, the, you know, threes get a little the, – the rim gets a little smaller in the game sevens, you know. And so – and I think the biggest problem with Boston is they, the first couple of games, they, they were better at getting easy buckets. I mean, yeah, Steph three was like, it's, you know, it's going in, but like Rob Williams getting an oop. I mean, Al Horford has got, I mean, must be so tired. He's kind of disappeared a little bit in this yeah. playoff series. Um, we need to be imposed. Celtics need to be imposing their, their physicality a little more. Looney's the only guy with size on their team. Yeah. So I need to see like more easy baskets. Um, well, I've, 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 turnovers, like you said, I've, I've flipped back and forth in terms of like who I'm rooting for in the series. I can, yeah. I talked myself into, you know, I picked the Celtics in seven. I talked myself into rooting for the Warriors, as I've said numerous times now, because it's like, uh, unhinged Steph stands are still more reasonable than just like Boston fans getting their championship and like, uh, you know, fucking, Patrick McGillicuddy or whatever, the kid who's seen 40 championships with his poster walking down fucking whatever. Um, so, and then plus the Steve Kerr, I liked Steve Kerr this postseason with the gun control. Everything. I just thought it was fun to see him step up and, and be a voice. Um, so I was like, I'm on that. Then of course we, the unhinged Steph stands get in our phone calls and start arguing, you know, it's it's Michael Jordan, Kobe, Steph, all time. Those are the top three. And then you're like, fuck you guys. I don't give a shit. Now I'm rooting for the Celtics. So I've come, go, gone back and forth. But I can say one thing for sure. Tonight I am rooting for Boston because we have to have a game seven. Let's get yeah, a game seven. Totally we, deserve, we deserve a game seven. It's good for the sport. It's good for sports fans. They didn't send Scott Foster. Scott Foster is not refing tonight which is usually like uh, known around the league as the, the, you know, the extender yeah. of the playoffs. Um, he's not on the call. I've been really kind of disappointed with some of the refereeing in this series. I just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I like rooting for the Warriors. I, the Warriors are a cool team to root for. I think I love their style of play. All the things that Joe said, I agree with. I mean, Draymond <laughs> annoys me. Um, it's yeah. amazing to see like, his inability to score, you know, in game seven, the whole Cleveland series, he was amazing. Um, he had like 31 in game seven. I don't know how he, he can't hit it. He can't shoot at all. Uh, you know, no. it, there, there was, yeah, there was that three. Was that before the end of half? Where was the three where he was wide open? I think that was, yeah. Yeah, before the end of half, I mean, wide open. And he didn't just miss it. It, it was it was like fake clay out there shooting. It, it was bad. I think I think the you know so, the the long rumored Draymond crying in his car weeping to the point where 
he has Siri call Kevin Durant and he begs him. I feel like that was preempt. Like, I feel like as the phone was ringing KD, he's like, listen, God, if, if you give me KD, you can take my jump shot. <laughs> and that, that was it. Like he just, he made a deal with the devil. <laughs> you know, but the, the, and one other advantage the Warriors have, I didn't really foresee was they're just a little, they have a little bit more depth at the end of the bench where they can get, and they start Otto Porter. Iguodala is kind of, a, he's kind of on his last leg, but, but can give he's you some co- minutes. He's coach, coach Iggy at this point. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple guys that come up. Poole is kind of a fun spark. Yeah. Uh, that comes off the bench. Derek White for the Celtics is a real key because he can play defensively, but he looks – is the moment too big for him? I want to see him come in and hit some jumpers, go to the hole. Like, we just need to be aggressive. Celtics need to be aggressive. I'll say we a lot, but – um, It's, I, it's, I, it's I, all right. I feel, like, I feel like you say we a lot when you're watching a lot of different teams. That's true. <laughs> that's true. If, if the Warriors win, I'm going to be a we Warriors fan. I'll say we won. We did it. Now, let's transition uh, – I just want to say you, one thing, Joe. Joe, one yeah. thing. I've I've, been, I've done a, I've done an impossible task, which I've brainwashed my six-year-old who lives in L.A. to be a Celtics fan. Oh, that's great. It may, get oh. Beat, it may get a beat up. It may get a beat up. But you know what? It's, it satisfies my ego, and so that's all I care about. Honestly, so. it won't get him beat up because L.A. fans are just like, yeah. you know, they just blow in the wind like <laughs> the fl- <laughs> like the like the flags they look they they're on their like put on their cars like Boston's out there beat L.A. You know, the kids, the kids in his class, like, dad, do I have to worry about wearing uh, my Celtics jersey to class? Like, I don't know. Maybe you get caught in a TikTok or something like you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and also L.A. fans are very ignorant from my experience. So, you, you know, your son's going to go in with the hot facts. He's going to go in with the the tug nugs and he's right. just going to be spitting that hot fire to the Kobe stand who's trying to argue that he's top 10. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, but the bad, the bad thing they have is that if they lose, he this is no joke. They'll go down like five to two and with ten thirty four in the first quarter, and he's crying already. I'm like, my like, <laughs> son, I cannot watch this game with you if you're gonna. Do I've, this. I was that kid. I was that kid. <laughs> you were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go to go to a baseball game and my dad. The Mets give up a couple of runs. And like, I just want to go home. He's like, there's eight <laughs> innings left. They're down two runs. I, I don't even want a fucking hot dog. Take me home. <laughs> Gary Carter's not even in the lineup. Why are we here? What else do we got on the agenda? So uh, my, my feeling is, just to put a button on this game tonight, the Celtics are favored by three, three and a half. The points have not mattered at all in this series. They shouldn't matter tonight. I'm hoping that Celtics – my head says the Warriors break down, beat the will down of uh, this, the, the Celtics. They break their hope, their spirit. But my heart says, as Joe alluded to, we need a Father's Day with a Game 7 U.S. Open. Just incredible sports day for the dads out there. So let's see a Game 7. Well, I believe l- in it. Let's transition to a golf discussion. Before we do that, I want to remind all the dirt balls that we are working with our friends at Stakes for our specially branded Dirty Sports NFTs. And I sent those to you earlier in the day, Joe. They're for the Dirtball fam, and I know we got a bunch of young listeners, Joe, who love the NFT game. Now, you and I are kind of the OK Boomer crowd on this, but it, it's a hot thing with the kids, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, you sent the, I, it. It's funny because you sent them to me, and I was like, "But these aren't the NFTs. These are screenshots of the NFTs." Because that's the thing with the NFTs. Oh, like, true. It's more than just this. Like there is a, you know, there's a digital trail. So I'm just looking at, you know, uh, a, basically a forgery of our NFT. I don't actually own it. Now sure. you, the dirtball, can truly own it. Uh, if you if you play with stakes. Yeah. So basically, guys, over the next two weeks, which now it's about 10 days this week and next week, we'll be asking questions in the stakes app where you can bet against us to win the exclusively branded dirty sports NFTs. So just go to playwithstakes.com forward slash dirty for your chance to win those exclusive dirty sports. NFTs. And they are pretty cool. They're, they're branded. There's a dirt ball series one. There's a true fan series one. Yeah. They're sparkling. They look like digital, I don't know, medallions, if you will. Yeah. So again, go to playwithstakes.com forward slash dirty, download the app, play on your iPhone for a chance to win those NFTs. All right, Doug, let's, Let's move into the golf discussion. You, you that's what I, yeah, that's what I wanted to say with Tug. I was like, Tug's been doing a lot of we. I'm like, now is Tug, are you we when talking about the PGA or are you we when talking about the the live tour, the 54 tour, the LIV tour, the the it's lit tour? Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm a free agent. So whoever wants to send me the most money, I will be joining that tour. So the, the jury's still out. I'm I'm. I haven't officially joined Live, but I'm listening. I'm listening. Well, you know, Tug, you and you and I have talked for a while about getting making some uh, golf podcast content. Yep. Maybe yep. we just maybe we just start the first Live Tour golf. Po- There's plenty of PGA podcasts. That would be amazing. Let's just do the the very first Live Tour one. Dive in head first. Um, well, let me ask you this. This thing is very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, ask some questions. Uh, my, my, my very first question, because I said this, and you're way, way, way more of a golf fan than me, but obviously I'm, I'm new to golf fandom. I'm new to following the PGA. I'm new to following the players. But um, obviously the quality of golf from start to from top to bottom of, you know, people in each of these tournaments is going to be way stronger from the, the PGA Tour. Uh, but... I said a few episodes ago on this show, I said, in terms of interesting people, in terms of people that like, there's always a story with them. There's always something that they're involved in. Like the live tour did a pretty good job. I would say taking, I don't know, 80% of the most interesting golfers on tour. I mean, from Bryson, DJ, uh, I mean, Patrick Reed always coming with, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, he's always, he's always causing a ruckus and his cheating scandals Phil, and Phil, yeah. obviously, I mean, no one moves the needle like tiger. No. Um, but obviously tigers, you know, spotty right now in his thing, but like the other guys who you talk about as like sort of the headline grabbers that are still on the PJ, like, you know, um, like, I don't know, Rory McElroy. It's like, you know, he's a, he's, he was a big deal for a long time, but he's like, it's not that interesting a guy, uh, Jordan Spieth, people love him, but like, I feel like they're lead dogs, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy. It's a pretty vanilla group that are kind of now the lead dogs outside of tiger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fair assessment. I think like 
Spieth is one of the most charismatic golfers because he's all over the place. He really is like you and me. He's just world. He's just unbelievable. Like he'll, he'll blow a drive off the planet, but he'll still get a par, or make birdie. I mean, he's compelling to watch in that way. Um, how dramatic these people are off the course. I mean, you're right. I mean, uh, even like Poulter, Sergio, you know, guys who are a little bit older are still joining the live tour. I feel like Kepka, obviously he's got a personality and he, you know, he's, he gets, he got involved in the Bryson beef and people love him and he's sort of a heartthrob and whatever. Like maybe he is one of the more interesting guys to stick around. But in terms of like, I think personalities, like almost off the course personalities, and I'm sure it was part of their strategy is targeting those guys first and foremost. Um, but it just seems like they did a pretty good job kind of stealing headline grabbers. I mean, oh, from the headline standpoint, they're doing an amazing job. Now they're also in the in talks uh, to potentially buy the, what was the Euro tour now they're called the DP world tour. So if they buy that, I mean, how much does that legitimize them as an entity from a disruptor standpoint? I'm like way in on it. Like I love just, I just like people thinking differently and disruption on that, that, in, that end. Um, I think there's, you know, obviously the ethical questions that people want to, there's a big debate online about whether, what the ethics are about taking money or not taking money. Um, I really don't try to get involved with, I, it's, it's up to each person to figure out how they want to handle that. What I'm interested in is how you make this, how would you make this like interesting? You know, it's, a, it's 54 people. It's not a lot of players. I mean, what happens when they fill up? You, you got to feel like more people are kind of lying in the weeds waiting to see how it does because, you know, people want free money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, there was, I, I saw, I saw a video the other day. I think it was an Instagram reel or something like that. It was a quick thing about the guy who finished last in the last tournament made $120,000. His PGA tour earnings before that were 39 grand. Yeah. And he's, and he's been an up and down on the PGA tour on the corn Ferry tour kind of thing. It's like in one tournament, you know, he, he tripled his, uh, his tour earnings that yeah. he's been grinding at. And it's like, if you're that guy, it's one thing to be DJ and it's one thing to be Bryson. But if you're that guy who like, who gives a fuck if it's the Nazi tour, like you're just trying to make money playing golf. I actually know who that person is. It's Andy Ogletree, who I believe won the 2019 U S amateur. So he's a pretty young guy had some you know injuries and so he went on an interview that I watched that um, basically said that he was having trouble finding starts. So it was just about him, you know, having the opportunity to play professionally and not having to like drive 12 hours to play like a Monday qualifier or something like that. The problem is with guys like that, when you finish dead last, this isn't a free lunch. You get one of those and then Bryson, Patrick Reed starts showing up. Why do they want to keep you around? Then what happens to you? Yeah. What happens when you're not one of the 54? Have you shot yourself in the foot? So I, that, to me, is going to be interesting to watch when these lower-tier guys who've been asked to be a part of this are bumped for more stars that want free money. And then, and then, and then they've already been sort of banned from the PGA. Correct. So that, that to me, is an interesting monitor for a lot of these players. Yeah, that's a great point. I never thought yeah. of that. Now, so, let me ask you something, Tug, because I'm confused by it. Uh, so the the... When this happened, the the PGA Tour's reaction was, "You do this, you're out. Like there's no there's no changing your mind. There's no going back." But uh, multiple guys playing in the U.S. Open 
how does this work? Why is this possible? Obviously, we're here. I'm, I'm here for it. This is the kind of this is the real drama we want. The, yeah. the, com- the coming back and answering questions about your tour while you're on the other tour. Yeah, we see this. How is it? How is this possible? It's possible because the U.S. Open is run by a different organization than the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour, the PGA, uh, you know, the professionals uh, or, you know, association, they run the PGA Tour. This is run by the USGA, the United Mm -hmm. States Golf Association. They run different events. So the USGA at this point is like, hey, we don't, this is not our problem. These guys, you know, we're, we're an open event. Amateurs can qualify. If you qualified for this event, you can play in our event. I believe the Open Championship or the British Open, is, you know, a lot of Americans call it, they're the same way. The Masters I'm hearing behind the scenes is really working closely with the PJ. So that'll be interesting because we have so many Masters winners on the, on the Live Tour right now with Phil, DJ, Schwartzel, um, Sergio, you know, and, and more and more. Um, so that, that'll be really, the masters is, is the, basically the crown jewel of golf events and everyone wants to play it. Well, so well, you, really- well, you, you know, I, I, I take your mindset of like, again, I'm not a golf guy, but uh, Joe knows how much, like I have been so intrigued by this because like you said, it's something new that kind of throws a wrench into what we know. And, and I like, I like people who are trying something new and I like competition in general, right? Like this is what I would call like, even though it's not an American back thing, like this is your classic capitalistic competition. I got, I got a product that's better or I got a product that's going to pay more. Let's, let's see how this plays out. And, and Joe brought up a point. I don't want to get too much into the ethics stuff, but Joe did bring up a great point. I think recently of like, when the PGA tries to cry foul and blood money as if, as if golf has been an exclude, as if golf hasn't been very, exclusive to different types of minorities, whether it's women or different people of color. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's where I laugh. Like, dude, look at your, look at your history. Like, like, I think it's hilarious when you have a sport, which I would historically call, and I think it's backed, right? A very upper-class, wealthy, white sport is now trying to call out the other sport. Like, like I'm the Michael Jackson gift eating popcorn. I'm the dude who knows nothing about golf and I'm just going to eat my popcorn and watch this play out because I, I think it's great. Like, like bring on the chaos. I, I agree with you. I mean, again, each person has to answer their own question. Like what, what's my number? You know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah. And, I, and I, I don't, you know, if you're older and you're like, if you're like Louis, you know, if Louis is still competitive last year, Louis Eustazen, but like some guys are not competitive. So, you know, you take the money, but I guess, they have to answer the question like how much money is enough money and i think a bigger point is people who are who are sort of crying foul just want them to be honest and yes. say listen it's i not agree about growing the game i'm here to take the money yes it's like I- I'm, I'm being offered a lot of money and i you know and so if people said that i think you'd probably quiet down the the naysayers by 50 percent if you just said i just want i just want, yeah. I want my kids to worry about money i don't want my kids to worry about money i don't want my, you know you know yeah just get to the point of it no, I, I, I agree. And, and, and that's the thing. I think that the, you know, and I, I totally understand these guys like Brooks the other day being like, I'm done talking. This is annoying to talk about because it, we, it really is. I mean, the, the layers to it, it's like these gotcha questions that all these reporters are trying to do. Like, I mean, I heard one the other day. It's like, 
is there, would there be a line ethically? I forget who was asked it, but like, is there, is there somebody you wouldn't play for if the money was just so good? Like, where is your ethical line? And I just think that that's like, it's such a shameful thing to try to put these guys who are just tr trying to make money playing golf to like answer where their ethics are because also, and no, and I know that the press won't do it. And I know that the golfers won't answer, but like, if it was me, I'd be the guy out there being like, we're out here standing like American ethics. Like I gotta be like, suddenly I have to like, I have to pretend that Saudi Arabia is like infinitely worse or like, you know, Justin Thomas the other day saying, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a little disappointed in these guys. It's like, I'd love to hear Justin Thomas's take on Saudi Arabia's treatment of homosexuals. It's like, uh, Justin, as a guy who recently lost sponsors for throwing around homophobic slurs, uh, how do you feel about playing for a place that it's like, you know, I mean, it's it's so cloudy and it's such murky waters that I hate this thing like these these gotcha, like you're a bad person for doing this. You know, well, a lot the, of like, what about isms like what about this? You know, is, is yeah, it, yeah. And I feel like um, people say, oh, if it was Elon Musk putting up the money or or Amazon it, and I'm like, you, it's also a very difficult. Th th those things are those people are also fraught with, you know ethical issues too if you go down the, the line i mean it's just or like, i mean just every guy out there who's on the pga tour wearing some mega banks logo like i don't know if you guys know what billionaire how billionaires tend to treat the world or like how nike makes their shoes it's like we this whole this whole like you're you've crossed the line here it's like you know phil mickelson was like has been rocking kpmg for it's like you know most investment banks aren't out there you know feeding the poor I guess I mean, it just comes down to the end of it. I mean, I, I personally would have trouble with it, but if, if I'm also like, don't want to feed three kids. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, yeah. tough. Well, it is. It's, it's a, it's a moral. I, I, that's my thing. Like I hate when people are casting stones on either side. It's a moral dilemma that like you said, Doug, each person has to choose, but I have a big announcement actually that I want to make here on dirty sports about oh, my new tour. I don't know if you, I don't know if you had heard this, Joe, if it had leaked, I have my own Andy Ruther tour. It's the uh, HG tour. It's HGT. It's the Happy Gilmore tour where, you, and this would be great in Venice Beach. Your caddy has to be a homeless person, just like the movie Happy Gilmore. So I'm going to try to institute that. So, so that is a way to actually bring people who have not been, you know, they've been ostracized in society and they've been outcast. So you have to have a, a someone who does not have a the house. The most Andy Ruther uh, idea I've heard ever. The Happy Gilmore tour. What do you think, Doug? Are, are you on board? I need, I need to hear more. I'm still listening <laughs> to the Live Tour. So um, you also oh, have to run up to your tee shots. Money talks. Um, the, the last thing I'll say about the Live Tour is that is that like the competition thing. Like we talk about wanting to see competition. The first one was in London, so it was, and it was on YouTube. The reason I always felt like it would it could stick around is because. Anything with money, not, not to get political, but like they're just going to try to normalize things. You know what I mean? They have enough money to normalize until people get tired of it and so something's going to happen and people are like, oh, okay, yeah, it's the Saudi tour. You know, it, it's just going to stick around because their pockets are so deep. And I also think that unlike other sports, I mean, you talk about like the XFL, the USFL, like whatever, you know, the, the, the alternative leagues that we've had, when you're talking about a team sport, you're watching the like the, the overall quality of the game is worse. Bryson is just a guy. 
Like you're going to watch Bryson play good golf or bad golf on a PGA tour on a, on this course, on that course, whatever. It's like, I think that it could all, it also has the potential of working because it's like, you're just seeing a man versus a course. Like that doesn't really like, sure. Maybe it's, it's not going to take as much to win a tour when the fields are not as big, when the fields are not as quality, but it's like, if DJ or Bryson or Sergio or any of these guys go out there, goes out there and shoots a 59, they shot a 59. You know what I mean? It's not like they did it against B league courses or B league players. Like you play great golf, you played great golf. So I think that gives it a potential of working as well. I also feel like people are just, and this is a golf community that I follow pretty closely. Like everyone wants to poo poo things that are brand new. Like, like the, 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 Oh, they, they came out and did this and they didn't have this or this. I'm like, well, this is a, a brand new thing. Let's give it some time to see how like the logos are bad. Admittedly, the, the names of the teams are not good, <laughs> but yeah. like this, let's, you know, the, the, you can fix those. These are all fixable things. I think the idea of a team thing could be kind of cool. Um, but they, the, the players need to care as much as, as they, as they do on the PGA tour where these events like history really matters. And this is the one thing that they don't have on their side is that like, Anytime you win an event, it's like it's really cool for Charles Schwarzel to win an event. He won four million dollars. That's more than he's made in the last four years on the PGA Tour. How how do how do we as fans get invested? And it's 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 so golf too to just like hate hate newness in general, right? Like a guy wears a hoodie on a course, and people start a blog about like an anti hoodie blog. I mean, I'm watching this because I mean it's cool because Andy's engaged in golf for the first time in a long time. I'm engaged. You saw, you know, Greg Norman is a polarizing figure. Roy, Roy McIlroy wins on Sunday and does like a not so veiled comment about, I now I have one more win on the PJ tour than some other guy, which is, you know, alluding to Greg Norman. So there is a little bit like, maybe, maybe you have, you have like an, you know, what is the, what are the wrestling leagues? WWE, like maybe get a little of that going, you know, a little. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. Um, well, tune in, tune in to Tug and I's new uh, every Thursday podcast, Live and Let Live, the uh, our, our brand new <laughs> Live Tour golf podcast. Hey, man, you get that, that's where your that's where your moral quandary quandary is that the word? What quandary? Quandary. There yeah. we go. That's where your moral quandary comes in. If if you start that, and then you get that Saudi sponsorship money. Yeah, there, there's where your dilemma comes in, Tug. Because I can tell, I can fun. tell, like I said before, this, I can tell just by looking at you, uh, you have three young kids. My room, <laughs> my room, and no, no pictures on it. <laughs> yeah. How's I gotta ask you though, completely non-sports related, because that's what I do. How's the mac and cheese game going with the kids these days? I gotta tell you a story. I don't, I don't have been on this year, and um, but so I, I got a physical in January, and I weighed uh, two fifty four. Wow. Yep. And I said, enough's enough. Guys. <laughs> 254 no. now you carry you you carry your weight like significantly better like i mean 250 if i was 254 i'd be gigantic you've always looked you know 54 joe 254 is huge how much of that 254 was the leftover mac and cheese that your kids never ate it was 54 <laughs> <laughs> you're no, like doctor I-, I got 54 pounds of mac and cheese on me <laughs> You know, I, but I went, I, I went away from that. I was like, guys, I, my fighting weight's got to be 225, 230, 
something like that. So I was like, I got to lose 25, 30 pounds. And so immediately stopped drinking for two months. And like the first two weeks, I think I shed 15 pounds just from, from, wow. Oh, oh, I, I, I slipped on some Miller lights. I mean, I'm not going to lie because Miller lights an incredible beverage. Uh, that was my cheat day drink. Um, but I also decided like, I can't finish off my kids meals. Can't finish off the mac and cheeses, the nuggets, you know, the juices or whatever. And I just tried to be a little bit more rigorous about like going back to the gym. I don't know if the pandemic life just crushed me. It, I mean, I, I think about this, um, not to get too, too real about, about life, but like, I think the pandemic life, my pandemic life was much more traumatic and stressful than I let myself believe it was. And so just the grind of being with kids all day and like watching, like make sure businesses were staying alive. Like I just didn't care. I was eating whatever, just yeah. myself, drinking whatever to comfort myself. And then like, finally I was like, okay, we have a little bit of a better standing on life. Let's readjust. But I was reminded by this because this week my kids are out of school and I feel the stress coming back of, of, from being with kids all day. They're not in camps. And I'm like, just trying to survive the day. And I'm like having a martini at five o'clock or, you know, whatever. <laughs> a, a, a quick nuggets, you know what I mean? So that was, um, it was just an eye opening thing. I was, uh, my, my doctor was like, you need to come in for like, uh, blood tests. Your <laughs> 254s is not good for you. Um, so yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, that's we'll, the story. Talk, just know we're here to support you. If you ever need to get away and you want some low calorie chili, you can come yeah. to Cincinnati. Is there, low, is there a diet? Is there a diet skyline? Uh, no, the, 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 <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati and, and, and diet. I don't think those go together at all. I've it, it's been, you know, I'm what I'm a couple years in now here. It's, it's been interesting to see, uh, how Applebee's people don't go one for 20. Doug. It's two for 20. It's two for 20 at Applebee's. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm anyway, this is it's exciting times. We feel like we're about to hit the doldrums of, uh, of the summer sports season, but we have such a nice run. I know you guys have hockey, uh, you have hockey correspondents weighing in, but I thought the game last night was awesome. I mean, there's like, we're hitting a little cool Zenith of sports before, we get into the little, don't get me started on the little league world series. I don't want to watch that guys. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. You're right. We're hitting a nice stride and I'm prepared this year for football. Joe, no, Joe's always, Joe's always joking. How like, I, like I am like your Mr. NFL guy, but it always hits quicker. Like I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? Like this year, I'm not going to let it just creep up. A lot of times it just creeps up this year. I'm like, okay, it's, it's coming. I love that Andy goes, I'm not going to let it creep up. The dude sends me NFL news every single day via text. I can't get enough. I I look at the Sean Watson tracker. I'm just like, what's going on now? What's happening? Uh, You you know, and obviously being in Cincinnati, like it's, it's look, man, we all know my history, but I'm in a city where the team went to the Super Bowl and you got Burrow. It's, it's fascinating to be around people and see how turned they get, especially when, the the Reds are such a dumpster fire, but Tug, we were really glad to bring you back on. And uh, look, man, like I said, you ever need a getaway? Listen, I, I, I want to I watch Joey Votto do TikTok, so I'm coming back to Cincinnati. Uh, to, to, I want to I want to hang with you and watch your runs. I, I, it's been a while since we connected on over your your marathon status, so there's a lot lot for me to catch up on. I didn't well, make it to well, Chicago for the first time ever. Uh, last month well not ever but like multiple day trip made to wrigley 
So I'm, I'm falling back in love with the Midwest and now Cincinnati will be next on my list. Uh, I, I love it. Well, I, I, not to disappoint you, I have not been running. I I've been, we talk about life decisions. Um, yeah, I, 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 I got a, I got a pretty serious lady in my life now. And Joe knows yeah, this. we're, we're actually, we're, we're, we're looking at home. So like we're, we're to that point. Uh, so, so maybe I can, I can get a, a tug suite in, in, in a new house. Just, you know, knowing how just being around my brothers with like multiple kids like you, I think the vacation for you would just be sleeping in this room for like three days. Like that's what someone like you probably needs. hundred percent. I mean, King my, size my bed though. Home. The guys, the guys over 250, <laughs> two and a half bills. Get him a California King for a tug. <laughs> that was, it was unbearable to see that number. Um, but probably added a couple of yards to the to, to your tee shots. A couple I couple yards off the tee. My club head speed has gone down a little bit since yeah. I'm drunk. Tug, where can the dirt balls follow you? Old dirt balls, new dirt balls. Where can they check yeah. you out online? Tug Coker on Instagram and and on Twitter. And I just want to say quickly, give me two. So we've talked about the live tour. The U.S. Open's happening at Brookline this week. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, we need a we need there. a quick tug. Things to things to look for. Did we lose yeah, him right golf there? Fans, I, oh. said, I said baseball because I think about the, the, the Red Sox. And, but Roy McIlroy, enemy, public enemy number one maybe of the Live Tour, has been playing so well this year. He finished second in the Masters. He won last week. He played well, um, he played well at the PGA last month. I think like, that would be an incredible story. He's actually – his first round, he's in – he's tied for first right now at minus three. Ken Rory. Win his first major in eight years. Public enemy number one against the Live Tour. Be one of the first people, I mean, maybe ever, if not in a long time, to win two weeks in a row. His game is as good as it's been in years. Can that happen? But what I love right now, what we're seeing, the thing about the Live Tour, 54 players, various levels of quality and talent. On the other side, the PJ Tour is stacked, Andy. Personalities aside, so much talent as, as talented as the pj tour has ever been because of that i think it's hard for people to see like people come out of the woodworks to win there's just too many players like justin thomas winning scotty scheffler winning the masters rom winning last year we're just so loaded with young talent i see that trend continuing look just a quick look at the leaderboard since we're taping on thursday morikawa finishes uh minus one if the lead's at minus three mcelroy morikawa is at minus one Rom's at minus one. Um, just for fun, Matsuyama's at even. Xander Shoffley's at even. There are a couple live guys lurking. Two people of interest. Kevin Na, minus one. Na, na, na. But one of the most interesting guys from the live tour, James Pyatt, who is last year's U.S. amateur champion. Four goes. He's 23 years old. Four goes. His amateur status comes a pro qualifies joins the live tour he's one of the people that we're kind of monitoring because it's not a, not a put out the pasture player it's a guy who gave up his pga tour career essentially to play in the live tour is minus one if a, if a live tour young guy were to win the u.s open this week what would that do that to the, me is, the live tour is like the cryptocurrency of golf tours <laughs> really is. That's a good podcast have a title right there because, that to me is really interesting. You know, the two guys, um, uh, Taylor Gooch, um, young Gooch. guy, really talented, went jumped to the live tour. James Pyatt, 
Very interesting story. As I said, U.S. Amateur winner last year. So there's a lot of great stories. And guess what? Will Zalatoris, minus one. He's just always lurking. Since he's become a pro, always lurking at majors. And he's doing it again, tied for 10th after round one. Adam Scott, a guy who's been rumored to be attached to the Live Tour, not right now, but eventually. Any relation also, to Michael Scott? Uh, maybe, maybe distant cousins. Okay. Just wanted to verify that. Uh, tons of great stories. Even some amateurs, you know, kind of lurking. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be an awesome, uh, just an awesome week for golf. Tell and me some, tell me, give me a, to watch that uh, as the chaser. It's a great day on Sunday. Give me a quick tug nug about the golf course, because that's my favorite part of watching golf. Now that I play is like appreciating the courses as I watch them. Talk to great me about course. this golf course. This is in Brookline, Massachusetts. Very interesting. I mean, this will be fun for Andy. So it's one of the original five courses that made up the USGA. It's one of the oldest courses in the country, along with Chicago in uh, golf club in Chicago, Shinnecock Hills in New York, this one. Uh, and there's two more that I'm, that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But what's interesting about this, the history of this course held the U S amateur in like 2013, Matthew Fitzpatrick won. So keep an eye on him. To, to, to sort of relive his glory days from a few years ago. 1999, it held the Ryder Cup in the greatest comeback by the U.S. over uh, Europe with Justin Leonard uh, hitting an absolute bomb. Also, the only Tiger win in the Ryder Cup in like 22 years of play, the only time he won, 1999. I hope that's right. Uh, that is his only win, but was at Brookline and the Country Club. And the other thing that's interesting about this course it's actually, there's actually 27 holes. Did Tug freeze? <laughs> we just, yeah, you, you know, we, we were battling him throughout at times to this club, and they're using there a composite go. of different holes. Was that, was that breaking up? Yeah, you broke up yeah. for a minute there. Where'd I break up? Where, where'd you, where'd you, where'd you lose? 20, 27 holes. 27 holes. So it's a, it's a composite of those 27 holes. This, this, tournament it's going to play like 15 holes of one course and three holes of uh, uh another course and one of the holes <laughs> they're actually using the 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 tee box of one hole the fairway of another hole and then the green of another hole wow. you actually hit, you hit a ball over one green that they're not using onto another green just to add distance to these courses that are over Jeez. 130 years old so i think it's a really interesting looking course and uh, tons of history, and I think it's going to be – I think the uh, Vegas sets the line at, like – it's a very low-scoring projection, like three and a half is like the uh, – I, I, th I think we're, we're battling some tech issues with you now, Tug. I, I think uh, – Winner might of be... uh, the U.S. Open. So for you to just <laughs> – It's so funny. The, 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 no, he, just, he just fast-forwarded the uh, – it sounds like the minute you start talking about the non-live tour, the Saudis, yeah. the Saudis are like just going to hack his internet. You there? No. I'm 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 there. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. I I, I think. Right, it, sorry, guys. Your video is not at matching with your audio. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think we should maybe wrap it up. This, this is hopefully we can get this connection going. Yeah, sorry guys. I just want to say the Vegas set the line at minus three and a half is the winning uh, winning odds for for over under for the for the event. So that's for you, to, you degenerates out there. Minus three and a half. I'm pretty sure. Double check. Wow. That. Yeah, it's pretty low. It just shows you it's gonna be a real test out there this week. So. Yeah, interesting.
apologies for my um, my internet from some undisclosed location. It's all good, Doug. <laughs> we, we 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 are always happy to have you on. We're so happy to have you, Doug. Happy Thanks to for hear joining us. Nonstop, Doug. Nuts. I hope Joe's prediction is right. We see Celtics in seven. Um, regardless, Andy, I'll see you uh, soon. Joe's golf teed up. And, Absolutely. Um, love you guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Much love back, Doug. Take care. Bye, guys. There we go. Tug Coker. Tug Coker. Oh, I guess I should. Uh, <laughs> I will. Uh... Get up and walk away. <laughs> And just walked out. Let's uh, like somebody leave, leaving it, leaving their job interview. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> Tiny Tug, as I'm going to call him from now on. <laughs> he just got up and left the screen off. <laughs> Thirty minutes later, some four year old with mac and cheese moseys by, eating some chicken nuggies. Oh, you know what's funny? Tug talks about not eating his kids' food. I eat like a kid. Like those are all things I love. Like I love mac and cheese, dude. This is my older brother John. Like every time I go to his place, I'm like, "Why do you have Dino Nuggets? Are you like babysitting somebody?" He's like, "No, nah, man, I just love Dino Nuggets." And I'm like, "Why do you eat like?" And he and he gets like Ortega tacos and like I'm like, "Are you five? Why yeah. do you eat like? Why do you why do you eat like a kid who's?" parents went out of town and left them a hundred dollars and you walked to the grocery store when you were seven he's like i just need some gummy bears and some dino nugs <laughs> like what you what you're gonna get is diabetes yeah the the chicken nuggets have kind of turned into a thing for me lately like the last year i don't know like i'm like it's such an easy just throw them in the oven chicken nuggets late night you know and then i keep telling myself oh they're from trader joe's like they're healthier yeah. which is a, <laughs> which is such horse shit like Raider Joe's. right chicken nuggets or chicken nuggets it, what, what it is it's a great high food yeah you know you don't have to do any work you just lather and, and some frank's red hot or something like that i'm a ranch guy with the chicken nuggets wow you don't hot and then ranch no is that wow. the move yeah man it's like the, the ranch is the ranch slash blue cheese that's like it gives you a cooling effect on the spicy flavor I feel like that doesn't come out well though the next day. Although wow. chicken nuggets in general probably. Yeah, what don't are we come talking well. about here? Eating fucking dino nugs. <laughs> yeah. Know. Not sure if I should add hot sauce. Well, you know what I'd be washing those down with, Joe? A nice, cold, refreshing Miller Light. I just ordered some groceries to be delivered. I'm down to, I believe, two bottles of Miller Light in my refrigerator. I have been patiently waiting uh, to, to re-up my groceries. And, you know, I ran out of milk. I ran out of cereal. I ran out of cold cuts. I ran out of eggs. I'm like, man, but we still have, there's still Miller Lights in the fridge. I got down to two Miller Lights, panicked, immediate reorder of groceries. It'll be here two hours. I'll get my fresh Thursday re-up of the original light beer, the world's greatest Pilsner. I mean, the the liquid that that powers my soul. The greatest beer on planet Earth, Miller Lite, maybe well, the greatest beverage. Now couldn't be more of a perfect time, especially in the summer. We are getting extreme heat here in the Midwest. I'm talking Been hot here, too. 
mid to high 90s with humidity. My brother the other day, true story, it was so hot. Before he even started drinking his Miller Lite, he was just putting it against his forehead, right? Yeah. Cool him down a little. Just great. Just took his Miller Lite, put it against his forehead. We were all grilling out. The brothers were over having some cold ones. And the best part is during the heat, if you don't want to leave your house, if you want to just stay in the air condition, you can have it delivered. Guys, it's it's that easy to get Miller Lite directly to your house without even leaving the comfort of your own home. So next time you're getting ready to enjoy cold ones with your crew, go to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. I'll tell you another uh, tale of Miller Lite success, Andy. So this weekend, Eddie Ift's son is having a birthday party. They're doing a beach birthday party for him. And uh, as you know very well, um, here in Los Angeles, you're not allowed to drink on the beach. Correct. So there's there's all this talk. It's going to be a lot of adults there, um, you know, and I, I was reached out to as sort of the unmarried still drinks with a regularity guy like, hey, can we drink on the beach? And I was like, honestly, probably not. Like, I know it's the land of the free, but uh, try bringing an alcoholic beverage to the beach in Los Angeles County and coming away with out a fine or with your life. Um, I was like, you probably shouldn't. And then um, uh, Eddie's wife said to me, well, after maybe instead of drinking at the beach, maybe we should do an after party. Um, Cruz's first kegger. Should we throw a kegger at the house after? And I was like, I got you. So went online, ordered a keg of Miller Lite. I will be having a Miller Lite keg party this weekend. Amazing. That's so great. glorious. How long yeah. has it been since you were at a kegger at Andy? It's been a while. Man, I cannot like honestly, it's good. Like tapping a Miller Lite keg in the California sunshine in the summer. Just I'm I'm more excited about that than I am. Like potential game seven. Yeah. So that'll be nice. Especially coming out of that tap, right? Something about oh. that keg beer yeah. brings brings great nostalgia. Like it, you know, right? Like you think of high school, you think of college, you think of parties. Yep. Well, that should be a good time. That's oh, gonna be great. We do have an update on hockey because we are in the Stanley Cup finals. Yes. So game, game one was last night. So Ryan said, this is our first, I'm sorry, our last two call from him because we're in the final. So he just wrapped up the conference finals in the call. And then he's going to do the second call, which I believe, I don't know if this had game one on it, but let's just, I'll be honest. I haven't listened to him yet. Let's get to our, let's get to our NHL update from Ryan Klatt. Hello, Dirty Sports. Ryan Clack calling in once again with your hockey update. Two calls again today. This will probably be the last time for that. I wanted to do everything in one, but couldn't quite get it to fit nicely. So I'll do a recap of the Eastern Conference Finals in this call and then do a Stanley Cup preview in my next call. Okay, let's do it. The Lightning, 
got it done once again. Their 11th straight series win. Rangers, you had them up to nothing in game three with a 2-0 series lead, but it just wasn't meant to be. Lightning reeled off four straight wins. Game six was a nail-biter. The Rangers tied the game 1-1 late. Looking like overtime, but Steven Stamkos comes right back down the ice and scores just 21 seconds after the Rangers' goal to crush their momentum. I'm ready to say it. This Lightning squad is the greatest team I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. Hockey's always had a ton of parity since I've been a fan, and now we've got a team on the verge of a three-peat. That's something that Gretzky and Lemieux or those great Red Wings teams never even did. So great stuff uh, for Rangers fans. Don't fret too much about this one. Uh, you've got a great team. They're going to contend for years to come. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win the Cup within the next four to five years. All right. Now like a final preview coming up. All right. I like it. Okay. Stanley Cup final. Avalanche Lightning. Oh, boy. I don't think you could have handpicked two better teams to play against each other uh, just from an entertainment perspective. And what's great about it, both teams, four players, is pretty much all homegrown talent and built by Hall of Fame players. You got Joe Sackett, GM of the Avalanche, and Steve Eiserman, no longer with the Lightning. He's uh, GM of the Red Wings now, but he did build most of the important pieces of this team. So kind of a cool storyline there, but uh, let's get into the series. What's going to happen? Forwards, very comparable, pretty much a wash, but maybe give the edge to the Lightning based on experience. Defense, Colorado's got the best defenseman in the game, and Kale McCarr, solid pieces around him too. I'll give the slight edge to them, even though Tampa has Victor Hedman, one of the best to ever do it. And goaltending isn't that close. Huge advantage, Tampa Bay. Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world. He's going to go down as one of the best of all time. You put all that together, and my brain says pick the Lightning, but Colorado was my pick to win before the season. I've been riding them all along. So I'm going to stick with them and say Avalanche and seven, because why the hell not? Should be a good one. Say what you will about hockey. I know it's not very popular for you guys down there, but you cannot deny the Stanley Cup is the most glorious trophy in all of sports. The trophy that I, your hockey correspondent, has drank out of. What a thrill that was. Can't wait to see who's going to hoist it. All right, stay dirty. So since that call, Colorado, game one win, correct? Correct. One nothing, Colorado. Oh, it was one nothing, huh? No, one no in the series. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wasn't it three two? Yeah, it was three three four two four three or three two. I don't know. I that's thought what, I saw late four three three. That's what Ryan's here for. I clearly yeah. am not watching any hockey. Four three, yeah. It was late. It was I saw I saw a late tying of the game at three three, and Avalanche score four three to win. So we've and, battled, and, we've, and, and absolutely no doubt about it. So, so Stanley uh, Cup, best trophy in sports. Yeah. Oh, hands down. So we have a natural disaster battle. Exactly. The lightning versus the avalanche. Yes. Which, like, head to head, who wins that? Two non, two non uh, plural teams. You don't get that often. Yeah. You don't get the, you know, lightning avalanche. 
Like you'd rather be struck by you can live if you're struck by lightning. Avalanche, you're dead. Uh, no, you can. I mean, you can survive an avalanche. People have survived avalanches, bro. I'd love to know the percentage of people that survive an avalanche compared to the number of people who survive a lightning strike. I'll tell you who's for sure rooting for the avalanche, and that is Martha Stewart, who, according to her at least, has been struck by lightning three times. What? Yes. Did you not know this? I did not know this. Yeah. Martha Stewart has, uh, according to her, been struck by lightning three times. Martha Stewart. I'm telling this, you, this, this is- sounds like uh, who's the leader of North Korea? Kim Jong-un? I know. You know how he says he always gets holes in ones? Yeah. This is like a Kim Jong-un. Is, is that his name? Yeah. Believe it or not, Martha Stewart has been struck by lightning three times in her Bullshit. lifetime. Bullshit. I, call, I call bullshit, too. Martha recently revealed she's back on the dating scene. Talked about a pretty unique fact uh, while playing Tooth, Truth, and a Lie with Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, it's crazy. I think it's actually, it's actually good for you if it doesn't kill you. I think it's good for you. Star went into detail about two supposed times during which the natural phenomenon quick, quite literally attacked her. Once it came out of my water faucet, I was leaning against an iron sink. I saw lightning go down the pipe out in my garden and came in through the water and hit my right, hit me right in the stomach, threw me on the floor. My ex-husband found me. I was alive, but not very comfortable. <laughs> the second time involved their window. A lightning bolt came through my skylight in my house. I just attract electricity. I'm so powerful. <laughs> she didn't bring up details about the third time she was struck by lightning, but she did say that the overall, it feels horrible. So, so far, she's given us two times both of them threw some sort of object. As the kids say these days, sus. You sus, Martha Stewart. That's totally sus. 100% sus. Like, does she try to get more street cred with that? You've already been in jail. She's already got the. Meanwhile, the her cred. best friend Snoop Dogg's like, Martha Stizzle's been struck by Lizzle multiple tizzles. <laughs> You're like, okay, Snoop, <laughs> why are you friends with Martha Stewart? What is this? She's 80. She's, she's yeah. dating again. I don't know when that article's from, but yeah, at the time she was ADN dating again. Her and Snoop have to have gotten high together, right? For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. For sure. Three times. She's like, the, she's like, the third time I didn't talk about, I didn't want to talk about it on Ellen because it was a family show, but it came through Snoop's bong. It struck Snoop's bong. It hit me right in the mouth. We had a wicked storm the other day. I was concerned. The... I don't even know what the break. It's not even a breaker. Whatever in the back, it was kept sparking from the tree branches on the wires. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I actually was thinking about that. I was like, what if you got struck by lightning? Yeah. yeah but those aren't like lightning from the sky. I mean, it is lightning. No, but I agree with you. That's precisely what I just said. Yeah. It's not like a direct hit. It's out of a faucet. It sounds like she was just on some edible or some shit. Like you got so baked, Martha Stewart. Snoop gave you like a hundred milligrams in a chocolate bar or something, and you thought you were struck by lightning. Yeah, it's, she's like, it, I don't know. One second I was doing dishes, the next second I was waking up on my kitchen floor. Yeah, you OD'd, Martha. Yeah, it's like that time on 420 a few years ago when I got so high when we went to the Nationals Dodgers game. When I came home and was lying in bed, and I thought a shark was going to attack me. Yeah. Let's let's from now on refer to Andy Ruther getting too high as oh man last night I got struck by lightning. (laughs) 
there, there's a lot of elements to the Andy Ruther too high. There's the too high Aaron Rodgers Lions Thursday night football game. And yep. there's yep. me getting too high because I had 10 milligrams of a gummy. Yeah. Now I said it to you yesterday. How about this? Aaron Rodgers is, is dating a witch. Did you see this? Yeah, I saw that. It was a meme. But is he really dating a witch? She definitely looks like the chick from Game of Thrones. What yeah. happened to his other girl? Well, they broke up. Jaleen Woodley? Yeah. They broke up. They, they put out a statement a couple months ago. They're still friends, apparently. But it turns out the liberal actress did not want to date the anti-vaxxer. Well, I think you're I think you're simplifying. I, I don't know. If, a lot of times people who have div, div, well, they can get along with they might not see eye to eye politically. Hold on. So I'm reading this chick blue BLU describes herself. says she's not a witch. Well, that's good. This is the headline from the New York Post from six days ago. Aaron Rodgers, rumor girlfriend blue denies identifying as a witch. Maybe she'll be at that store down by where my girlfriend lives in Covington, Kentucky. Which, by the way, I saw I saw the I forgot to tell my girlfriend this. I saw the owners of the witch store walking out. They had like it looked like they were going to a party. It's like a it's a man and a woman. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you look at their website, like they don't identify as like boyfriend, girlfriend or right. husband, wife, partner. I, like it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand witchcraft terminology. Anyway, they had like party snacks and I was walking Roscoe and I thought it was so funny. She had a little tray full of small sandwiches and I was like, what the fuck is what? they were <laughs> actually, they were actually big. They were actually full size sandwiches originally, but she was like, I like Kazam. <laughs> Like a lot of people think she cut them into mini sandwiches. She's like, no, you, if you look, all the bread still have the crust. That's because I was like, abracadabra, <laughs> make my sandwiches smaller. I couldn't stop laughing, praying. I was like, what the, where the hell are these, where are these two? Like, like you can't be a witch. And then you got a little party tray. Like you're just my gonna- friend blue is now dating a <laughs> footballer. Abracadabra, make my sandwiches smaller. And like, they're friendly too. Like, you know, she's like looking at Roscoe and smiling. Yeah, like saying hi to me. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't really seem like a witch. By the way, can I get one of those ham sandwiches? Because those look delicious. She was like, Do you want me to bring it back to full size? <laughs> you're you're a growing boy. <laughs> she's like, I actually shrank them for your friend Tug because he's like 254. <laughs> I was just about to make a tug joke. You beat me too. <laughs> I was just about to make a tug joke. Dude, you were you were roasting him pretty good. I can't believe you got the 254. She no, but you know what? I, I will say this. Tug is a big guy. I mean, Tug, Tug's like my height, but Tug carry Tug is like a big dude. Yeah. Like, to me, it's, <laughs> Tug's calling me right now. Is he call is he calling into the show? Hello. Yeah, buddy. Uh, we're still on, but we were just talking about you. Oh god, I swear to do what What's that? Uh, oh, well, let him know he's on live right now, Prano. You can't just let it, not let him know. No, 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 it's fine. We you just cut out for a few seconds? 
I'm going to go. All right, that's all. You got it. Um, I'll talk to you guys later. Later. What a perfectionist. The, 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 the ears were burning. What a perfectionist. Doug wants to retape like 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there. I'm like, Tug, no, J- judging by the stress you've been through. I mean, yeah. I, I don't retape. No, man. Get some sunlight. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what you need to do. Get out of the bunker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. From, yeah. From, from now on, we can solve this problem by having you uh, go live with us from above ground. <laughs> it's like I'm in a hole that I dug under my basement. You know what I love about this show is like, there's so many calls. There's so much sports shit going on. And we're like, no, let's talk about witches and sandwiches for the next 10 minutes. Fuck everything Sandwiches. else. <laughs> but I got something sports and food related to discuss. Okay. Little Caesars with a massive oh, This move. is such an Andy Ruther story. This is the most Andy Ruther story ever. When I saw this, I was like, oh, shit. Little Caesars. Who, in the words... Of my significant other said, I didn't even know they were around anymore, which, by the way, is a diss. I don't appreciate it. Little Caesars, everyone thinks is down and out, is now the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. And I guess it was pizza. How long was Pizza Hut the official sponsor? So Pizza Hut was the last four years before that eight years of of Papa John's. And then he got drunk and racist. So, right. I don't think he got racist. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just, I was just gonna say, I shouldn't have. Uh oh, I've fair. had too many drinks, feeling a little racist. <laughs> um, okay, so, so we had pizza. You know, I'm a big. I'm. I actually, uh, as far as, um, as far as fast food pizza goes, I do like Pizza Hut. I used to be a way, way, way bigger Pizza Hut fan when they had the Pizza Hut buffets. I'm a Pizza Hut buffet stand from back in the day. Just go, go into the little, you know, buffet hood, get yourself some Pizza Hut pizza, get yourself some dessert pizza when it's over. And but now you you know this about me. I've I've maybe eaten Little Caesars twice. Three times in my whole life. The very first time was with you when we went and got a hot and ready. And I have said that that model is still the dominant model. If you're making fast food pizza, it should cost $5 and it should be ready to go when you're there. Well, inflation. Yeah. I think it's only five fifty or 6 now. So. Oh, okay, great. I was going to say, is it now like, you know, a $14 hot and ready? I know it went up. Thanks, Biden. Fucking Biden, man. Oh man, it never mind. It, it no, I was wrong. It definitely went up more. Seven forty nine now for a large hot and ready pepperoni. It's still, it's still so reasonable though. So reasonable. I mean, you know, remember back in the day, it was like if you ordered like a pizza, you just like order a pizza from your local place, or you go to like the guy comes, you give him ten bucks, maybe give him fifteen of the tip, whatever. I mean, now you order, you order like Domino's. Delivery like there's you're not getting in out of a Domino's delivery for like under 30 bucks. No, no, you're not. It's not at all. So, I mean, walking into a uh, Little Caesars and walking out for seven fifty eight bucks, you know, oh, I agree. Like, I agree. Exactly. It's not the best pizza, but like you no. said, it, it's but fast food pizza. Like, listen, what you know, what what's the window for like fast food pizza? You know, like let's let's say like a frozen shit like out of the box, like 
warm it up in your microwave pizza as a, you know, let's say that, that, that range is like a, you know, a zero to a four, like fast food pizza, like the pizza huts, Domino's, whatever. I mean, we're talking about what's the, what's the range here? Three to six, four to six, like you're not getting a set, a, a seven point pizza from fast food. So like, we're really splitting hairs here. Oh, I, how I much, agree. how much better is Domino's versus well, I couldn't you know, agree more. If, if you go to the grocery store and you want like, I guess the top of the line frozen pizza, they, the most expensive would be a DiGiorno. I don't think you can get a frozen DiGiorno, especially with inflation for seven fifty. So, so what, what would you prefer a pizza hut or a DiGiorno? Yeah. Now, God forbid you get an Nemo's pizza and that dirt ball shows up to your house with an AR 15. Cause that might happen. Yeah. See, I, th- I feel like an Nemo's pizza an Nemo's pizza is that crossover. It's that, it's that bridge. An Nemo's pizza is a bridge to from fast food. It's a chain, but it's a bridge from your mass marketed, like your mass produced frozen things to it's that bridge to like a, I don't know, an independent pizza. Place. Well, here's what, here's what I, little Caesars is kind of interesting. They used to be more around the Midwest growing up and because it was a Detroit thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's based in Detroit. So like my mom, again, with five boys, it gets expensive. And their thing was they don't deliver, but it was the cheapest. So my mom would pick up Little Caesars, right? And that's what we had. And then they went away. And then I didn't see Little Caesars again th- that I really remembered or like see them around. I just remember growing up and having pizza, pizza. And I was like, where do I get little seasons? They were like, not for 800 miles. And I was like, what? And and I didn't see it really again. They like went away when I was in high school. I'm sure there was maybe one or two in Cincinnati. I don't remember until I moved to California. Cause then in California, I was like, whoa, there was one close by me when I lived, I lived off of uh, the one Oh one on North rampart. And I remember just being hung over after like benders and just walking in there and be like, I'm bringing that thing home to crush. It's a huge win for them though. The official, anything that's the official partner of the NFL. I couldn't find any details. I would love to know what they're paying for that. Yeah. It's not going to be cheap. I think that's a good segue into some calls. We'll do a few calls. Great. I do have a response from Alex about the Steph Curry discussion. I want to save that for next episode since we had talk. Great. He's got a couple call response. We gave. I mean, do the, we? Re- I mean, how 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 long are we going to go back and forth? Like, what well, is the, there? Well, well, that's my point. But you told him to call. That's why. Right, right. You're right. I did. You told I him did. to call. I and I told him that over over DM. You know, he, he's a loyal listener of the show, which I appreciate. And, and I told him I, I didn't want to go back and forth over DM with him. Sometimes we're always not. I mean, gonna- I did this with Laz the other day too, and I and I think you. I don't know if you told me it when Tug was on, or if you told me pre-show. Well, let me just say this. Let, let, let me just say this before we play his call next episode, which I'm happy to do. If you think Steph Curry is better than Kevin Durant, I think your opinion is trash and I will never listen to anything that you say. Good day, sir. Like the end, like if you think Steph Curry is better than Kevin Durant, you don't watch basketball or understand it. Or if you do watch it, you don't understand it. Steph Curry's not better than Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. He's not. So I get, I get, I, I, I told Laz the other day, I was like, I feel like you're trolling me. You know, I feel like the, it was a tough, it was a tough look for the Warriors fans for years. They had to like, you know, argue through their teeth 
that Kevin Durant joining a 73 and three win Warriors team was like cool and okay. You know, Laz's big thing. Sorry for your troubles. Um, but Kevin Durant's better than Steph Curry. Why don't I just play the call then? I, I, I mean, look, there's no point in pushing this. We can all the other dirt ball calls we can get to next episode. I'll just play the call so you can hear it. Yeah. It's only fair to Alex. You asked him to do it. He left the call. All right, call him back. Um, you told him to call back. Um, yeah, he's better than Kevin Durant. I mean, what are we doing here? 2016, Warriors beat Kevin Durant. Obviously, losing the finals. Durant comes to the Warriors. They win two championships. Steph had won a championship without Durant. Durant had not won a championship without Steph. And now look at this year. Durant got swept by this, by this Celtics team that Steph is dominating in the finals dominating he's shooting much better much he's shooting more efficiently than Durant against the Celtics he's averaging more points he's obviously won two games which is more than Durant can say I mean it's I don't act like it's an insane thing to say that Steph Curry is better than Durant it is insane Steph beat Durant Durant wanted to join Steph what are we fucking Steph talking to about Durant's team Durant wanted to join the Warriors they win, obviously, with Durant because that's an unstoppable team. Whatever. Durant goes to Brooklyn. He couldn't even win a playoff game by himself. I mean, what are we? What are we talking about here? I mean, that is ridiculous. I just, it's just. I mean, act, acting like it's crazy that stuff. That stuff is better than Durant is a is a crazy take. Um, Durant's obviously also one of the greatest players of all time, but I would put Steph ahead of him. Um, yeah, uh, that's that. Oh, I wanted to make okay, and then he tries to make another point, which I can read, which he sent over DM. But let's just—I just want to address this. This is stupid. Like, what? What? So, uh, is Jason Tatum better than Giannis? Is Jalen Brown better than Giannis? Uh, is is uh, it, so Steph beat LeBron, but then LeBron beat Steph. So who's better? Like the idea that we're judging Kevin Durant when he's on a Russell Westbrook. OKC team and Steph Curry on, on the Warriors dudes. Like you get, it all gets solved. It all gets solved. Kevin Durant joins the 73 win Warriors team that cannot beat LeBron James and absolutely dominates two finals. And Steph Curry defers to Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Here's the thing for, this is infuriating because here's the thing for Steph Curry Defenders. Steph Curry doesn't think he's better than Kevin Durant. You do. The guy you're arguing for doesn't think he's better than Kevin Durant. He's not better than Kevin Durant. It's insane to think he's better than Kevin Durant. This is the Matthew Stafford on the fucking Detroit Lions thing all over again. Oh, my God. Suddenly, Matthew Stafford became an MVP the second he got out of fucking Detroit. Kevin Durant is better than Steph Curry for going to a finals with that OKC team. I mean, Kevin Durant is better than Steph Curry. The end. Kevin Durant plays some semblance of defense. At least he rim protects. Uh, defensively, in terms of their defensive ratings career-wise, I, I would guarantee you that it's almost identical, but that's because Steph you know, gets a lot of steals. But Kevin Durant can has been, at times in his career, a great defensive player. Steph Curry has never been a great defensive player. Now, no one's saying Kevin Durant is 
smarter than Steph Curry. No one's saying Kevin Durant is a better GM than Steph Curry. To be totally honest with you, the only reason Kevin Durant is on the the Brooklyn Nets now with Kyrie, terrible decision, is because you guys didn't fucking appreciate him when he came to your team and saved you from getting embarrassed by LeBron James repeatedly. You don't have three titles if it's not for Kevin Durant. You have one. You have one. Without Kevin Durant, LeBron James nutsacks you guys. He sleep masks you. That's it. The end. That's why he was there. To get Steph Curry more championships. And you know how we know he was better? Because he ran away with the two finals MVPs. Steph Curry wasn't even consideration for those finals MVPs. Steph Curry does not think he's better than Kevin Durant. This is an embarrassing take. Well, look, man, I, 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 it's an embarrassing take. You can, you, you actually have a better argument that Steph Curry is top 10 and argue that like, uh, including Bill Russell in a thing of the best basketball players of all time, when he was going against five eleven dudes in black and white and, and arguing that, you know, Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he could be the player he was, today, but he wasn't. So what are we really arguing? Like argue the modern era of basketball is better than the olden era. And the idea that Steph Curry isn't one of the greatest, that's a better argument than he's better than Kevin Durant. He's not, he's straight up. Not. There so, is- so in the 2017 NBA Finals, Kevin Durant was the unanimous MVP. He received all 11 votes. I don't have what he got in 2018, but again, he was unanimous. I I mean, look, I would just say this to Alex. I would say, I think your bias is what's clouding you. This is just my take. I think Durant obviously was an added piece. Steph's been there from the start. He obviously has had a great career and he's grown up in front of you. He's grown up in front of all the Warriors fans. And I think that's where the bias comes in. I think the argument is over because when they played together, who won the MVPs on those teams? But just who was the, who was the fucking better player? Yeah. Like overall, he's just the better player. He is, he is. And, and again, I, I, as, as a guy who would, I consider myself like a sports historian or at least it, within my era of being on this earth, I love to read about it. I love to analyze it. It's very similar to the Shaq Kobe thing where Shaq gets all three MVPs because he's the most dominant, important player. It's just true. What, so uh, Ke- Kevin Durant is with the Golden State Warriors for three seasons. Is that correct? Correct. And what were those years? 2016, 2017, 2017, 18, 19. Okay. And he got hurt, obviously, 19 in the finals against the Raptors. He got hurt that playoffs multiple times. Yeah. So I, I just don't think it's close. I, I, I don't think anyone in that team is going to argue who the alpha was. You know, they added... 
Kevin Durant. And he instantly becomes the finals MVP. It doesn't take, it doesn't take anything away from Steph's greatness. Value of a replacement player for those three seasons. Just those three seasons. The three seasons they play together in Golden State. Kevin Durant, 16.4. Steph Curry, 15.1. You're on the same team. You're on the same team. Kevin Durant's more valuable on the Warriors, joining Steph Curry's Warriors over the three seasons he played with Steph Curry than Steph Curry was on his team. That's a statistic, not an opinion. That's a statistic. Kevin Durant joined a Warriors team for three seasons in the middle of his career, a team built around Steph Curry. And for those three seasons was a game and a half more valuable than Steph Curry. I just, I just don't think there's really an argument here. Like I, like, like you said, you can argue the Steph top 10. You can argue he left a second call Steph for Scotty Pippen. Those are, those are good arguments. You can make, you know, you have some points on those things, but on this one, I just don't think you have a point. I just think you're being biased because you're a Warriors fan and Steph was there from the start and Durant came and he brought baggage with being made fun of how he handled social media, the burner accounts. Obviously he's the butt of a lot of jokes I think there that's- was an era of the NBA. There was an era of the NBA that is now over. There was the LeBron era of the NBA. There was the LeBron era of the NBA. Every year, LeBron would go to the NBA finals. In that era, LeBron got to an NBA finals, uh, went to six games with Timothy Mozgov and Matthew Delavadi League are starting. Because the other two somewhat competent players on his team were out. He went to game six, should have won that finals MVP. The next year, the Warriors go 73 and nine. LeBron James beats them. They Draymond Green goes to the parking lot, crying calls Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant wins two finals MVP in dominating fashion as the single best player on a team built around Steph Curry. I just don't know the counter to that. If he's unanimously winning. Oh, the counter is the counter is that he was not appreciated by shithead warrior fans who will stand their guy. They're so embarrassed by the fact that they couldn't beat LeBron James without bringing in the second best player in basketball to carry Steph Curry around. They're so embarrassed by it that now they're just going to remain Steph stands till the day they die. And, and, and soft ass Kevin Durant, who's always been terrible, terrible at taking criticism, gets butt hurt, leaves, goes to a Brooklyn team that is not good. And now we're going to judge him for wanting to be the single best player. So now it's like, oh, well, if you can't win a game in fucking Brooklyn on a team, by the way, that was a. Kevin Durant stepping on the three-point line away from beating the eventual champs. But now Kevin Durant, when they mortgage their team to go get James Harden and then have to take a fucking shotgun to the face later in the season because James Harden wants to leave because Steph or because Kyrie Irving is an anti-vaxxer. Now we're going to judge Kevin Durant because he couldn't win a fucking game. So now we're going to judge Kevin Durant because he stupidly 
tied himself to a flat earthing anti-vaxxer. Yeah, I, I just I this is when I, I just don't think there's an argument. But 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 with Kyrie Irving not playing in home games this year, Kevin Durant made the playoffs. We forget without fucking Luigi. Steph Curry was playing in celebrity golf tournaments all summer, not appearing in playoffs. It's an embarrassing take that Steph Curry is better than Kevin Durant. And honestly, it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing take because statistically, statistically, they're very even throughout their careers. But two things are not even are the quality of teams that they've played on. And if you look at Kevin Durant's playoffs, Kevin Durant doesn't have nine point playoff games. Yeah, well, that's that's where we stand. I think, again, that's where most basketball fans would stand. And again, my, my advice would be you're you're being clouded by your bias towards a homegrown talent that you no, know, what they're clouded by is their bias that they needed Kevin Durant, not wanted Kevin Durant, not had Kevin Durant needed him. And they're all every Warriors fan I know is so ride or die Steph now because his entire legacy is clouded by him needing Kevin Durant to win, not wanting Kevin Durant to help them win, needing Kevin Durant to win. They needed him. Draymond Green went into his car and cried and called Kevin Durant and begged him to join the team. They needed him. That's why they're, that's why they're biased. Well, we have a lot of calls. Sadly, we can't get to those today. We'll save those for next week. 310-359-8365. That's our hotline. Thank you to everyone who left calls. I love when you guys blow up the hotline. It's always fun to listen to, and I look forward to getting some of those next week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. Follow me at Andy Ruther. Send us pictures of drinking Miller Lights on Instagram, Twitter. You name send it. us send us a picture of you sharing a Miller Light with your dad. Yeah, Father's Day. It's Father's Day. Do it for me and Andy. No dads to share Miller Lights with. Send us a pic of you sharing Miller Lights with you with your father. Yeah, uh, I'm out, uh, at Joe Prano on all social media except for Twitter, where I am still at Fix Your Life. I uh, I shared it to Dirty Sports the other day. I uh, I did a TikTok. I, I did some Derek Jeter truthing on TikTok uh, I, after seeing a preposterous uh, Yankees fans uh, the 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 Alex of Yankees fans the other day. Um, so follow me there. Um, I'm still on cameo. I'm still at joeprano.com for shows. And, um, that's where you can find me. Funny side note, little Caesars follows me on Twitter. We yeah. follow each other. Hold on. Hold on. We follow each other. I DM them in 2016 about a partnership with dirty sports. Yes. They never responded. They were like, we're, we have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> 
I DM we're go- them. We're going for the NFL. I DM them July 19th in 2016 about a partnership with Dirty Sports. No response. But they only follow 602 people, and I'm one of them. Yeah. This is like when Jason Light, the Bucks GM, was following you. <laughs> make it make sense. Yeah, what's going on here? I don't know. All right, guys, that is our show today. Thanks Jason to Tug for joining in. Yeah. By the way, Jason Light, Jason Light still follows me. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, he has to. We blocked him on Jameis one of one. Thanks to uh, Tug, like you said, for coming uh, out of the woodwork, and hopefully he'll be freed someday. Hashtag free Tug, to, free Tug Coker. Hashtag Mac and Cheese Tug Coker. <laughs> mac and Tug. All right, guys. That's our show. Have a great weekend. Drink those Miller lights. Stay cool. And as always, stay dirty. <laughs>